You're listening to the Artan Reno podcast on KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada. Our guest today is Joaquin Rosis, who went from sleeping at the CARES campus shelter to running for mayor of Reno. It's part of our series of interesting candidates running for office in 2022. I'm your host, Nico Columbant, the coordinator of Artan Reno, which includes this podcast. First, a word from our sponsor, and then back to this week's episode along the Truckee River at the Believe Plaza with Joaquin Rosis, candidate for mayor. Welcome. Hello. We are the Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Podcast. Client services. Special projects. Documentaries. We are a production center at, at the, the Reynolds, Reynolds School, School of Journalism. Journalism. The Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. So we're here by the Truckee River in the Believe Plaza with Joaquin Roses, who's running for Reno mayor. Hello. Hello. Thank you for the interview. So first off, you're wearing a cool T-shirt, Joaquin for mayor. So uh, why are you running for mayor Reno in 2022? Um, change is the only way we move forward. And I believe there's there needs to be some substantial change in city government. Not just something superficial like what color tie I wear or what party occupies the office. We cannot solve the problems confronting this city with the same kind of thinking that created a problem. And what kind of thinking do you think uh, created the problem? And can you identify the problems? Um... I don't think the city is following a master plan or any kind of strategic planning. Um, it seems to be like Langston Hughes um, once said that's uh, the same old plan of grab the land, grab the wealth, um, fulfilling the satisfying need rather than um, keeping holding the office or having some sort of stewardship over the community. Um, for example, we don't have we we have inadequate amounts of um, affordable housing, senior housing, low-income housing. We're building these luxury apartments, and they're actually creating more division within the community than they are um, unifying it. I grew up in a Reno that had no gated communities. That's because neighbors looked out for each other. I think we need to get back to that kind of thinking and have some strategic plan of how the city moves forward. Um, for example, we're a signatory to the climate cities. We made a commitment to the, to the Paris Accords. Yet all these housing, these new housing and construction are being built and they're not tied to alternative energy. And the very reason we're, we're building it is to house employees for the largest alternative energy company in the country. And we have not even had any conversations with them about how to build a sustainable economy. Part of my environmental plan is to move all city-owned buildings, including public housing, into alternative energy. 
you have a cost savings there that's going to be in the hundreds of thousands, but also you're going to generate a revenue that's going to help sustain our community. If your same kind of thinking is squeeze another nickel for out of your constituency, then yes, you're going to be broke and you're going to remain broke. And uh, a lot of the candidates do talk about affordable housing, uh, the unhoused, whether their solutions are good or not remains to be seen. Uh, in your campaign literature, you also uh, talk about guns, and I think you're maybe the only candidate who really underlines that. Can you explain your position there and why you feel so strongly? Uh, yes. Um, I would like to turn downtown Reno and Midtown into a gun-free zone. I believe that... National issues like gun control affect our community. That's why I give time on my campaign to address these issues because everything from Occupy movements all the way to BLM and Black Lives Matter and Me Too and what the Parkland kids did pushing back to the NRA affects our community. And I don't want to see what happened in in Vegas and what recently happened in Sacramento happen here and gun violence has already impacted our community. I lost a high school friend to the Sparks middle school shooting and a family lost their son to it as well. Um, these issues are tantamount. I find it ridiculous that you can't ride a skateboard in downtown but you can all open carry a Kalishnikov with a 30 round magazine and be and the city government be perfectly fine with that. And we're sitting here at the uh, Believe Plaza. This is the Our Town Reno podcast with mayoral candidate Joaquin Roses. As we're talking, uh, these downtown Reno ambassadors are just pulling up. Uh, we see that the grass is gone. There's zeriscaping uh, instead. What do you think of uh, the approach uh, of Reno to the unhoused currently? It's a big issue. There's the CARES campus. There's this location. Overall, what do you think? I believe that the homeless problem is not a, a single issue in a silo. The city has approached it like that, and that's why we have that, I'll call it an internment camp out on 4th Street, because that's exactly what it is. I think Par Boulevard, the, the sheriff's detention center, has less hostile architecture than that facility does. And those that are incumbent right now, those sitting on the council right now, will preach to you about fiscal responsibility. That shelter out there cost the American taxpayers $17 million, and nobody even bothered to think about a bathroom, and it houses 600 of our residents, and they are residents, whether they're sheltered or unsheltered, whether they're housed or unhoused, whether they pay a property tax or not. I consider them part of the residents here in, uh, in, in Reno. And you yourself have stayed at the CARES campus, is that correct? Yes. Uh, when I found myself uh, leaving my other apart my, my apartment complex where I stayed for about nine to ten years, rent had gone up from nine hundred dollars, which is what I was paying, to fourteen hundred dollars. I found myself staying at the CARES campus, even though I was still employed. I stayed there from the end of September 
until November 10th when I was able to secure permanent housing again. And your current occupation? Currently I'm employed as a peer recovery support specialist. I'm state certified and I also have my international credentials for it. And I currently um, uh, operate the, the criminal justice program for uh, the National Alliance for Mental Illness for Northern Nevada. What was your process uh, going out, getting out of the CARES campus? How were you able to find a, a, a new apartment, a new place to stay? Well, I couldn't. I continued employment, and I was fortunate to have that. Um, but there's also a, pop, uh, a portion of that community, they are the working poor. They work shifts. They drive taxi cabs. They work night shifts at the casinos. They are working, but they just can't bridge that gap into permanent housing with what they're making. Um, I had to continue. I was working with my case manager in the shelter as well as going out myself looking for housing. And I applied to maybe um, two dozen uh, complexes and properties around town trying to get into that. And the problem was, again, they're requiring the credit and then they're requiring, some places were requiring that I had three times the monthly income of what they were charging for rent. That's a huge hurdle for a lot of locals here to, to overcome. Even though they're making a salary that can easily pay the rent, they don't have enough to provide that, that three times the income. And that we are creating more barriers and more division with our communities because these things remind the working class here in Reno of what they cannot have. Um, and that, that needs to be eliminated. I've talked at the panel about rent caps. I know that has to go to the legislator. A lot of us talked about it. I believe we need to have more of a managed growth in Reno and part of that is tying all new construction to alternative energy and ensuring that they are um, that ensuring that they are uh, what's that? We have a downtown ambassador telling us not to sit. Hmm. So what are we gonna do? It's a sign right there. It's a sign right there that says no sitting. No sitting. Okay. Okay, so I guess we'll uh, we'll go sit over there. Yeah, that's fine. All we'll right. We'll do the interview there. It's okay. It's fine. Okay, so we can keep talking while we're walking. Sure. Uh, so, so for yourself, uh, did you get on a list, or were you able to find a new place which you could afford? You were finally able to find something after yes, all that I, search. I was able to find a place in Midtown um, that was within my price range. Um, I had set a budget and a range that I could afford, and it was on the high end of my um, of the range I had set for myself. But I was able to secure a one-bedroom apartment in the Midtown area. Do you want to keep up on what's happening in the local art community? Double Scoop always has the scoop on that. Want to know which exhibitions, parties, and other art events are happening this weekend? 
follow us on Instagram at Double Scoop Nevada and listen to KWNK 97.7 FM for our short scoop art events roundup. If you're an artist and you're looking for places to show your work, we have lots of opportunities listed right now. To find them, visit doublescoop.art slash events and filter for Call for Artists. If you'd like to follow all of our art news and meet local artists, you can sign up for our email lists at doublescoop.art. Do you like podcasts? Well, we have a podcast from you. This is Sean from Up in the Mix. This is Della Foto. Do you like to get into uh, random wormholes of conversation? Do you like to learn about the culture from sneakers to hip-hop music to basketball? Then we have a podcast just for you. We have one called Up in the Mix. It is available on all streaming platforms from Spotify to Apple. Check us out, upinthemix.live on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Salud! This is the Art Town Reno podcast. I'm your host, Nico Columbans, and today's guest is mayoral candidate Joaquin Rosas. So now we're going to find out more a little bit about uh, you from before uh, CARES Campus. And, and h- how long have you been in, in Reno, and how do you view uh, Reno changing since you've been here? Um, I've seen a lot of growth in the city, and... Um, and I've seen the landscape downtown change dramatically. There are now, a, there's more small business in the downtown midtown area than there are casinos. Yet that block, that special interest block, still controls the city council. And I see a disproportionate amount of resources being distributed. The part of the reason I asked to meet here is this is the demarcation line um, for Reno. If you walk down the Riverwalk west of Lake Street, you see a well-lighted, well-maintained walkway with interlocking parks and um, dotted with uh, green spaces and scenic vistas all the way down Idlewild Boulevard. You go east of Lake Street, and you see a crumbling, um, uprooted uh, Tahoe Pyramid bikeway that has not been maintained since the 1980s. And if the city council had any foresight and invested on that end, you would have avoided the homeless problem that we ran into in the 20 in 2020 and 2021. Um, but that's not where the beautiful people live. Um, so resource allocation does not, they don't get that. Unless, of course, some city council person sees a profit in gentrifying their neighborhood, and then they have no problem displacing them and building them a shelter. And you've been in Reno how long? I've been in Reno since uh, 19, 19, 1981. Why did you uh, move here initially? Um, I'm a foreign-born immigrant. We first immigrated to California. Um, I was, at the time, uh, nine years old. My mother brought our family here to Reno because, at the time, casinos were offering pretty um, progressive insurance. She was having trouble in California as a single mother finding employment that would provide insurance to cover us, the children. 
So we moved here in um, in '81. Um, she was employed by then it was the Sahara, and that's how we moved to Reno. And we went from a trailer in Second Street in Sun Valley, a double wide. That was our first home. Um, to an apartment and then eventually my mother was able to uh, buy a house in uh, northwest Reno on Keys, uh, on um, off of King's Row. And your family came from which country? The Philippines. Oh wow, and which part of the Philippines? Uh, the big island, uh, Luzon, Manila, the capital. Oh, very nice. And you have some uh, very cool tattoos that we can see on your arm. Can you speak to some of them, their meaning? Uh, yes. I'm an individual that lives with mental illness. Um, one of my old coping skills before I went into therapy was I would cut and burn. It, well, I used it to help manage my suicide ideation. Um, I learned to replace that with uh, tattoos. Um, so it's a reward system. If I go six months without self-harming or suicide ideation... I get a, a new tattoo. Um, this particular one is the newest one. It's 22 shell casings representing 22 veterans that commit suicide every day. Wow, that's powerful. And you have some cuts on your face. Is that self-inflicted or another story there? Um, that is self-inflicted. Oh, wow. Okay. And you think it's important for uh, some, some politicians, like everyone else, suffer from you know, mental health, and they're not always honest about it. Do you think it's important in this day and age uh, to be honest? Yes, and particularly this month, because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Acceptance is such a crucial role in recovery, and unfortunately, a lot of people that suffer from serious mental illnesses also suffer from a condition called um, anosgosphobia. Uh, I think I butchered that. But what the condition is, is they, it prevents them from having an awareness that they suffer from a mental illness. So it compounds the problem. Um, the way I've seen it in my work is that Often clients will will um, will think that they have, for example, autism rather than bipolar because the symptoms overlap. They're intelligent enough to see that they're suffering from the symptoms, but because of that condition, um, it prevents them to actually acknowledge that they have them. They can eventually bridge that, but it takes um, therapy. Uh, peer support, as well as um, uh, ongoing meds. And sometimes meds are not as easily accessible um, to people as they are. I've been fortunate to get my treatment and my meds from the VA. So it's an integrated um, model. Whereas out here, our broken system does... You may have a psychiatrist that prescribes your meds, but they're outside of your your Medicaid plan or your insurance plan so they can't talk to your therapist. And then you go to a facility like Detox or to Reno Behavioral, and then because it's not an integrated system, they can't talk to each other. And um, meds can be cost prohibitive for for somebody working, even for someone in the higher uh 
higher uh, echelon of the working class. Um, and you're a veteran as well? Yes, I am. So what, what was your service? Where was it? I served, uh, I was a Marine rifleman um, with the Marine Corps, obviously, and I served, my home port was Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I deployed three times overseas um, with a Marine amphibious unit in the late 1900s. And, uh, we're here at the, the one of the new skateboard parks. Uh, you're a skateboarder. Skateboarding is one of the most uh, difficult sports. It's very difficult to continue into your 50s. Uh, what kind of skills do you think, and this is not facetious, uh, this is sincere, I really respect skateboarders a lot. What kind of skills do you think would translate well to be a city leader from everything you've learned uh, skateboarding, which is not easy? Keeping all four wheels on the ground. Um, and... Uh, it takes skill, it takes eye and uh, feet coordination, and it takes dedication. It's probably one of the most organic forms of transportation we have here. And unfortunately, skateboarders get this bum rap. The city ordinance that prohibits skateboarding in downtown lists about half a dozen non-motorized conveyances. But skateboarders are the only one with the stigma of being hoodlums, of being vandals, of um, they're the ones that constantly get pulled in when there's property damage. Um, that's that has always been a form of transportation. It was a form of transportation for a kid like me, growing Sun Valley poor and couldn't afford a bike. I a skateboard was was doable, and that's how I got around town, and. We create these parks so that they can skateboard, but they can't skateboard to the park. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and it's on a practical level, that ordinance, it's unenforceable. So when you have an unenforceable law, that leads to selective enforcement. And then from selective enforcement, you end up in discriminatory practice because it's not being applied across the spectrum across the board to everybody to every citizen um it's the there's too much discretion left in there this is the art town reno podcast i'm your host nico columbant and today's episode is with mayoral candidate joaquin rosis and so final question as we wrap this up uh you know a lot of people don't know you there's all these uh, candidates that have been in power or that have run many times uh what's your pitch to voters why should uh they see your name on that ballot and uh check uh, a mark next to it first of all from the color of my hair to the color of my skin the accent in my voice the geometric incongruence of my eyes from head to toe, I am change. I'm not just here to talk about change. I am change. I don't come from some political dynasty or some legacy. Um, I'm not backed by any party. Uh, what I'm spending on this uh, campaign, I think I've raised $1,000 on my GoFundMe site. The rest is out of my pocket. Um, points like homelessness, working class, the working poor, um, livable wages, 
mental health, healthcare, those aren't just talking points for me. They're just not just bullet points on my campaign um, PowerPoint. I speak from a position of lived experience. Um, I know what it's like to be a single father growing, uh, raising kids in this community and having to work and making sure that they have health care and that they go to school and that they stay, stay out of trouble. And I'm also a foreign-born um, naturalized citizen. So I know also what a minority or an immigrant family goes through when they're trying to make their dreams come true in the city. It is possible. My family did it. and But it has not been um, a golden road. Um, there has been ups and downs. There has been financial downturns, not just for individual families, but for the entire community as well. We need to look at things outside the box because the box is breaking down. Thank you for listening to this Our Town Reno podcast episode. Here we have stories about gentrification, life on the streets, the affordable housing crisis. Find us on Facebook at Our Town Reno, at OurTownReno.com, and on Instagram at Biggest Little Streets. Check back in for next week's episode or delve into our archives and remember, help each other out.